0: Welcome to
1: another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your
2: hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along today. Kathy's taking the day off, so I'm happy to be here with you alone, along with new Mike. Mike's always in there as well. Mike, good to see you as well. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, John. Thank you. How are things? Things are great, how are things with you? How can I complain? Uh, great weekend. Uh, we had a high school graduation in our house this weekend, and it 's sort of an end of an era. Uh, you know how it is when uh, <clears throat> now I do because i didn 't before, but when your uh, last year children graduate it 's like uh, it 's kind of bittersweet to see your uh, to see our son up on the uh, the, uh, the dais up on the podium on Friday evening put a little lump in your throat and uh moving on to bigger and brighter things. So yeah, it was a really good weekend. Hey, um uh, we had some kids in the studio today. Kids who were I think they said uh, they were 12 years old, 6th graders from uh, St. Phillips in uh, Crafton. <laughs> it, it sort of took me by surprise because when you think of kids who were born in 2006, I mean 2006. Look, um I was I was raised in the 60s. And so I was thinking about myself with these, you know, with these kids, the differences, this huge gap between experience in America and, you know, my own experience growing up and theirs. I mean, totally, totally different. Do you remember, do you remember this as a kid looking at the, um, either the newspaper or for some other people, the TV guide to see what was going to be on television uh, on that night? I mean, I lived and died by the television listings. Now, I don't think even kids are watching TV, are they? Um, I was looking at uh, some things. Pew uh, Pew Research released something on Friday. Most kids are using YouTube as the primary social media platform, YouTube, and then um, Instagram, and then Snapchat. Now, the last time Pew did this was back in 2015 when at the time, 71% of teen respondents said their primary source of social media was Facebook. That's not the case now. Facebook has dropped uh, to fourth place, with 51% of teens saying they use Facebook on a regular basis. But remember this? I mean, our experiences, even though we are Americans, are so vast, what my parents experienced growing up was fairly similar to what I experienced. I don't think I can say the same for my kids, my senior who graduated on Friday, or these kids who were in studio today from St. Philip. I think we're we're all experiencing vastly different aspects of what it is to be an American today. Just my take. I mean, even when you look at shopping, we had family in over the weekend for this graduation, and um, I had to do some shopping on Thursday and Friday. You, know, you run down to Costco, and it's kind of like a one-stop shopping thing. Earlier in the week, I shopped on Amazon, and by you know a couple days later, I had those graduation presents in my hands. Well, remember the old days of going to either the strip mall or to the mall. And the hours and hours and hours you spent either browsing or searching and then having that delight of finally finding it is what you wanted or needed. Totally different. You see, Amazon is going to start to do, uh, deliver groceries. So, you know, that, that joy. I remember this. I remember going on payday to my dad worked in a factory. I remember going on payday when we were off in the summertime and meeting my mom and I and my little sister, we'd go down to the factory gate and my father would come out. He'd know we were coming out at a certain time. Uh, he would come out and he would come down and meet us and slip his paycheck between the little spaces in the, in the gate. And then my mother would lean in close. <laughs> I'll never forget. I always love this. And the, my mother would lean in close and then they would kiss in between the fence. And then we would take that said paycheck to the bank, and then from the bank we would go to the grocery store. That was a payday ritual, I'm sure, for a lot of people in America, right? A lot of people who are working paycheck to paycheck. Now it's totally different. Look, I mean these the kids who were born post internet No, nothing of that. We're doing direct deposit. The groceries, instead of going to the grocery store, will be bought online and then delivered to your door by said Amazon or whatever. These poor, uh, you know, whether not poor, but you know, Giant Eagle. It doesn't matter whether it's Giant Eagle or Shop and Save or mom and pop grocery store, the Coonses, and even the smaller ones, they're having to respond to the internet. So all those things. Banking, music, uh, shopping, the revolution of online rush is completely and totally different. Completely and totally different. So as that graduation was going on on Friday night, which, by the way, was a fabulous graduation. Let me put a plug in. My boy graduated from Trinity Christian School in Forest Hills. This was a wonderful school for, this was a great education, a great education from Trinity. And you know, the, I, I know that they're, they're part of the advertising here, but this is totally beside the point. No one's paying me to say this. This is just a, a father saying, I love these guys. I love that administration, the teachers, the school, because my boy got a, he got a great education at that place, just really quality. I was thrilled to have him in a Christian school that really taught him great ethics and morals and a strong biblically based Christian worldview. Highly recommended. But as we're watching this graduation ceremony take place, you see the state of the world and you think, oh, Lord, Lord, oh, Lord, Uh, in my despair, in every parent's despair when they see the darkness that surrounds us today, you're grateful, aren't you? You're grateful to have Christ in your life and especially for your children who are stepping out into the world goodness knows what the world's going to be like in 50, 60, 80 years. We'll look back. A lot of us will be long gone by then. But if you don't have Jesus in your life now, and to have that guide and that strength and that grace and that forgiveness, holy smokes, you got to feel bad for people who don't. I I do. All the more reason to evangelize, right? All the more reason to talk about Christ in our lives and the power and the truth of that in our lives. All you got to do is look at today's headlines. But anyway, I'm running 15 tangents in one place. We do have a great show for you lined up. There's been a huge, a huge uh, ruling today by the Supreme Court, and now, uh, this is this is a big thing. I think if you're a person of faith, we'll talk uh, twice about this throughout the show about the master masterpiece cake Supreme Court decision. Greg Clugston's going to be with us in a few minutes from Salem Radio Network News, and then David French a little later on in the show as well. Okay, hey, uh, before we exit though, we'll play a clip because as I said a little earlier. the uh, the people, the, the uh, good uh, boys and girls from, from St Philip's School um, in uh, Crafton, they were in studio, and here's just a, a brief shout out from them to us.
3: Hi. We're-
4: One o one point five W O R D.
5: You can fight with your spouse in a way that actually helps your marriage. On the next Focus on the Family, you'll hear how you can build communication bridges by learning to speak. You seek permission to have the discussion, present the issue, explore solutions, acknowledge what you hear, and keep focused on the present next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly tonight at 830 on 101.5 WORD
6: Marley Financial has done it again these guys are just fantastic this is Kathy Emmons many of you know or have worked with our friend Todd Marley at Marley Financial and you know they were the first and still the best option for individual health insurance providing both traditional and non-Obamacare plans but now they're also offering the best group health plans in the nation with typical savings of up to 40% small Medium and even large groups, Marley's got you covered, giving you and your employees access to national networks where you can go to any hospital, Highmark, UPMC, Mayo Clinic, or even Johns Hopkins. Marley gives you the power to choose what's best for you and your employees, whether they're W 2 or 1099 subcontractors. Without the usual headaches of things like minimum participation or employer contributions, call Marley Financial now, 724 884 1496. That's 724 884 1496, and find out what it's like to work with the most innovative agency in Pennsylvania. 724-884-1496 at marleyfg.com.
5: You don't know when your AC unit will call it quits, but you can rest assured it'll be at the most inconvenient time possible. And who has all day to wait around for a tech to arrive? With Ventec, there is no waiting around, including evenings and weekends. Ventec will repair and replace forced air central AC and even offers split mini duct units to heat and cool individual rooms. With flat rate pricing instead of hourly fees, clean, courteous, convenient, Convenient and A-plus rated with a better business bureau. Ventec 412-793-0661.
0: Discover Eden Christian Academy and discover an exceptional education where solid academics and authentic faith prepare students to step confidently into the future. See what the largest non-denominational pre-K through 12th grade Christian school in the North Hills has to offer. From Wipio Athletics to fine arts, service activities and more. Eden Christian Academy, Christ-centered, student-focused and mission true since 1983. Visit EdenChristianAcademy.org
3: i'm a one-trick pony literally i show up at kids parties and act cute that's pretty much it so excuse me for being bitter when geico says not only could we save you money on car insurance but we do more like give you 24 7 access online over the phone or even via our award-winning mobile app well ooh la la aren't they multi-talented hey i said
7: organic carrots geico expect great savings and a whole lot more
2: S R N News White House correspondent Greg Clugston is with us. Greg joins us as the first guest every Monday here on the Ride Home. Hey, Greg, welcome back. How are you today? Hi, John. I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Very good. Hey, Greg. Before we get underway and uh, talk about the news events of the day, congratulations to you. You've uh, taken on a new position at uh, Salem Radio Network News. Talk to us about this.
8: Well, it's an expansion of what I uh, have been doing and have had the uh, you know the opportunity, um, the privilege of, of doing for the network uh, covering. The White House, uh, for many years here. And uh, to be honest, when uh, the president travels out of town, uh, the Salem radio network has not, um, previously been involved with uh, any domestic or, or foreign travel, and uh, starting this month, starting now here in June, um, we will be uh, making occasional uh, d- day domestic trips with the President when he leaves Washington. Nice. Uh, and so uh, we'll be able to report uh, you know, from Air Force One and from uh, the events and the locations where the President is traveling on occasion.
2: Fabulous. So you'll have a front row seat to history in some way.
8: Absolutely. And, uh, and it's critical because uh, a lot of some, some of the radio networks that cover uh, some of our you know competitors and, and colleagues here in the radio industry, uh, some of them do travel and many do not. And so there's been an effort to get uh, more of us to, to do that. And uh, Salem has signed up to do that. And uh, we're very happy about that.
2: Outstanding. Very good. So let's turn to the news of the day. This is a big day because the Supreme Court today released a decision which was highly anticipated, the Masterpiece Cake decision. Tell us about this, please.
8: Right. It, uh, it certainly is a victory for uh, for Jack Phillips. He was the baker from Colorado, and the Supreme Court ruled that, uh, essentially, uh, his rights were violated under the First Amendment, because you had this Civil Rights Commission in Colorado— um, uh, rule against, uh, you know, Jack Phillips and that's what prompted then this case to move, uh, higher up in the system and eventually end up at the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, one thing that the justices on the court did not do, John, is they, they have not decided what's going to happen whether or not businesses can invoke these kinds of religious objections like Jack Phillips did so whether in this particular case it was it was obviously a a clear-cut victory It was a seven to two ruling but in terms of broader ramifications for other businesses um that is a decision for another day but it was very interesting to see exactly what the court decided on this i was in the courtroom uh, last year in i think it was december for those uh... for those oral arguments and there were tough questions on both sides because You had, for example, justices sounding very skeptical of the arguments of the Christian baker uh, for the reasons for denying these kinds of service. But at the same time, you had justices accusing the Civil Rights Commission of not tolerating Jack Phillips' Christian beliefs, and that's ultimately how the court decided. I see,
2: yeah. So this is a big deal. So essentially the idea of Christians um, denying service, uh, whether it's flowers or a a cake for a wedding, because people are same-sex couples and they don't want to violate their, their Christian beliefs, that essentially was kicked down the road this was more of an, an indictment of the colorado civil rights commission's anti uh, religious bias
8: that's true yeah the anti religious bias was the was the phrase being used there by the justices and it was obviously eagerly anticipated as you point out not just by uh, christians who were very supportive uh, by and large of jack phillips and his case but also uh, you know the lgbt community is very uh, interested and concerned about this case as well and it was uh, once again justice anthony kennedy he was writing the majority opinion uh, he's been in the news a lot lately because uh, for a couple of reasons on these on these big important cases um, and of course, you know they're all important to some extent, but especially the, the big, uh, often divisive cases. He often is the swing vote. He was writing the majority opinion, and he was also in the news recently because there are some rumors that uh, perhaps he may retire this summer. We simply oh, don't know the answer really? to that, and that's raised all sorts of uh, questions as to uh, what the Trump administration might do. But uh, those are those are always big reasons when you're looking at at Kennedy and these big cases.
2: I see. So it's surprising, just from the outside looking in, to see that the the decision. Went towards masterpiece seven to two. The uh, dissenters were Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, f- more the uh, obviously the far far left part of the Supreme Court. But seven to two, it, it does bode well for conservatives.
8: Yeah, it does uh, it, because typically, even though the, the larger question, the broader issue of what does this mean for other uh, companies going forward, uh, has not been officially answered yet. Uh, you know, when you talk about precedent of the United States Supreme Court and its rulings, this is going to be a part of future decisions now in terms of precedent. Uh, and so that's always key in terms of uh, exactly what future courts may, may rule and how they may rule. So obviously conservatives, and uh, in this case uh, Christians in particular, uh, many are, uh, if not most, are very, very happy about uh, this outcome.
2: Greg Klugson is with us, SRN News White House correspondent. So, Greg, now let's turn to uh, North Korea and President Trump, the on-again, off-again, on-again summit between North, South Korea and the United States. From uh, all perspectives, it looks like this is full speed ahead and um, very interesting that uh, the president's going to sit down for the first time. The uh, sitting United States president will sit down with the communists from North Korea.
8: It is, and we're just getting some, uh, just in the last a little while here, some some initial information about their very first meeting face-to-face, which will take place a week from tomorrow in Singapore, uh, and it's going to be a 9 a.m. meeting on Tuesday, June 12th. Now, that's 9 a.m. Singapore time. They're 12 hours ahead of the East Coast in the United States, so uh, that'll be the 9 p.m. on Monday night next week, a week from tonight, for... Uh, for our coverage of that and and, and watching uh, of what's happening in Singapore but you're right on again off again of course we had the president a couple weeks ago say you know what Uh, we're canceling this I don't like the tone I don't like the rhetoric coming out of North Korea and we uh, haven't been happy with some of the negotiations and then right after that uh, they started talking again the two sides did and then there was a quick turnabout And the White House said, well, you know what, we're talking again, and perhaps this is going to happen. And then last week, the president, late last week here, met with a a top aide of Kim Jong-un, who had come to New York uh, to first meet with the Secretary of State Pompeo, and then came and met personally with the president here at the White House, presenting a letter from Kim Jong-un, and that was when uh, they were officially saying, this this summit is on.
2: Yes. So there was a, a lot made of this letter, wasn't there, that the president talked about, well, I'd like to disclose the details and what was said was very interesting. He kind of teased it, but never give away fully the intent of the, of the letter.
8: No, he hasn't. And again, uh, today at the White House press briefing, you had uh, Se- Se- Press Secretary Sarah Sanders asked about the contents, and she would not reveal them uh, either, <laughs> except to repeat what the president said last week. She, she too said they're interesting, and it was it was funny, really, John, because last week uh, in the photo op, uh, when the president was meeting with this uh, North Korean official. He was saying, "Yeah, the letter is very interesting," but then later acknowledged he hadn't read it yet. So um, <laughs> it's interesting whether you read it or
7: not. Apparently.
2: <laughs> so let's talk about these preparations because I'm sure you know this is so historic. But you've been at the White House before when world leaders have gathered together. This is no small matter. What about what's that look like in the back room? You know, the people who are looking at policy or all the different tendrils of what's to be talked about, and then of course you peel layers back and how do you talk about things and then you look at what you know what the united states would like to see happen versus what north korea or south korea there's all these different things that are so delicate how carefully are these things choreographed i mean is it like bullet point to bullet point once the leaders gather together in a room is there this consistent flow and i'm sure things deviate from time to time but it has to be that with a fine tooth comb things are laid out
8: with previous administrations uh for events of this nature and as you pointed out earlier we haven't had this exact uh setting with a US president sitting US president and a North Korean leader but you're right the, uh, the there's tremendous preparation that goes on in in administration uh it's cooperation and coordination among the White House the National Security Council the State Department sometimes the Pentagon uh, and so there is a lot of coordination that has to go on, not just within the United States but also then between the United States and counterparts from the other country, in this case, North Korea. And so there have been talks going on between Washington uh, and Pyongyang. And then, of course, logistical details are being hammered out in person between these two delegations in Singapore. They've been there for the last week, and they're going to stay through the summit next week. And you're right, they are going through point-by-point Um, not only policy concerns and areas where they uh, have uh, either agreements or or disagreements, but also just simple logistics of where everybody is going to be lodged, what kinds of meals are going to be served, what yes. rooms and what buildings and what part of the city are going to be used for all of these various historic meetings. So you're right, the the attention to detail uh, is is very important, and they're cramming a lot of, of this kind of preparation into a fairly short window of time where in, in previous administrations, in advance of these kinds of summits, Often months and months of preparations are taking place. In this case, it's a much shorter
2: time frame. I see. And so, the the greater goal—say that you know the United States would achieve their ultimate goal, which would be which would be for North Korea to lay down their nuclear threats, to stop producing some moving forward technologically with you know nuclear warheads and whatnot. That would be the goal, ideally. Yes.
8: Yes, that's the stated goal by the president, and whether or not Kim Jong-un and his government agree to do just that, that is the big question hanging over the summit, because there are a lot of people skeptical of whether he would agree to such a a, uh, demand, essentially, by President Trump.
2: Yes. I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it, to see this whole thing take place and to think on again, off again, and all the gamemanship. And, you know, the the president, um, when he stepped away, it wasn't a surprise. It was a a sort of a a brutal slap, almost a rebuke in many ways. And and now we're back again. So uh, just from what, you know, my limited knowledge and seeing the president and how this machinery is taking place, I I would be surprised. I mean, any, I should say just basically all bets are off that anything could happen.
8: That's true. I mean, we have said that about this president on any number of subjects or issues, and this summit with North Korea simply falls into that same category of we we can't you know accurately predict what's going to happen because uh, this is an unpredictable president, uh, and that has yielded both positive and negative results uh, during his time in office. And obviously, when you're talking about uh, working with um, a, a foreign country, uh, a country that is a very closed country where abuse uh has been reported inside its borders and there are concerns about its nuclear weapons uh, you don't want it to be uh, entirely unpredictable, and that's why some of this preparation and lo- logistical details are being hammered out ahead of time.
2: Fascinating. SRN News, White House correspondent Greg Clugston is with us. Greg, let's turn to the job numbers, uh, the economic indicators, the president. Uh the, Those job numbers were released uh, late last week. I think the New York Times called them uh the roaring continuation of job creation. This is huge, and again, it's – uh Thumbs up for the United States of America. The president is doing what he said he would do.
8: Yeah, this is uh, this is one of those areas where the president uh, is is enjoying some success. And the White House today was pointing out that uh, for the first four full quarters of uh, the president's um, uh, during the president's term, his administration, the economy uh, is has grown at a two point eight percent. Sarah Sanders was telling us that. When the president said we need to get that growth up to at least three percent, and I think we can push it higher, the president has said. She was pointing out that a lot of economists and the former Obama administration economic advisors were all sort of poo-pooing that idea and and saying that's uh, kind of ridiculous uh, to to be aiming for those kinds of growth numbers. But here we are at two point eight percent after after the first four full quarters of the trump administration
2: fascinating hey greg thanks an awful lot we always appreciate checking in at the white house and uh, your steadiness to give us the overall view of what's going on in and around the nation's capital thanks john great talking with you my pleasure you as well greg klugs in srn news white house correspondent information about greg at word fm.com
4: She was struggling in some areas she was trying so hard to learn but it just wasn't coming easy academically i would say she was struggling to be at least a grade level behind i'm up against the wall and i feel like i'm running out of options i need help and i don't know where to go i had been struggling with her trying so much to help her learn and feeling like i didn't have the right tools i just wanted her to be able to succeed felt like we were running on a treadmill working really hard and not getting anywhere Brain Balance offered us a real specific plan that was going to help Shannon overcome some of her challenges. They're pinpointing this specifically is where she needs help. To have that team behind me was so validating, so exciting. Everything that she's accomplished through Brain Balance and it's helping her as she takes strides into the next chapters of her future. And there's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. She walked out of there walking 10 feet taller
5: help your child achieve success all summer long. Call Brain Balance today and get a jump start on your child's next school year. Make a real difference in the life of your child and your family. Call today, 724-390-9012.
6: That's a passion of mine, serving an
5: underserved population. Stock Family Dentistry's Dr. Megan Stock on treating special needs patients.
6: I get this warm feeling every single time we have special needs patients in our office. Their needs are not that different from anybody else. take some patience. that's about it and i try to provide that with every one of my patients special needs or not spending the time with that patient is
5: very rewarding to me on perry highway in wexford visit stockfamilydentistry.com
4: you know the moment the homework and dishes are done your family responsibilities have been met the shoes slip off and you lay back it's that end of day ah <sighs> That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-comforting orthopedic made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory, thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com.
5: If you had to replace everything in your fridge today, how much would it cost? For a restaurant or church, that could mean thousands in lost product and downtime. That's when you call Ventech Refrigeration. When your walk-in goes down, Ventec can be there in less than two hours with portable units to save valuable product. And they'll even move it for you while repairs are made with flat rate pricing instead of hourly fees. A-plus rated with a Better Business Bureau. Keep your cool with Ventech Refrigeration. 412
6: the Crohn's
4: and Colitis Foundation of America invites you to take steps for cures at a walk near you. Support the 1.6 million Americans living with these diseases. Get started at cctakesteps.org.
1: Intervals of clouds and sun are quite breezy this afternoon, certainly cooler than it has been of late. The high is 71, partly cloudy tonight, perhaps a shower toward daybreak, though like 54. For tomorrow, clouds and limited sun, breezy and cool. A couple of showers will cross the area, perhaps even a thunderstorm later on, the high 68. On Wednesday, intervals of clouds and sunshine are remaining cool for June, the high 67. I'm Acky others well, Joe Lundberg on 101.5 Word FM.
2: Think back to the first concert you ever attended. What was that? I think everybody has a fairly good idea, right, what that first show was, and how thrilled you were to be uh with a large group of people enjoying music, right? That's a great thing. I mean, I go way, way back. I think the first show, uh, first show I saw was the Syrian Mosque, which is long since gone from the uh, Oakland landscape. Long since gone. I saw this will date myself. I saw I saw George Carlin and Jim Croce at the Syrian Mosque. I'm sure that was like 1970. Three, I bet somewhere in that ballpark 73 74 Jim Croce Syrian mosque now I guarantee you there may be a few people maybe in 73 74 you know lighting up but uh, there are a few people who were like loaded on their butts but what happens again with the Kenny Chesney concert what the heck we had family come in from out of town for my uh, my son's gr- high school graduation so we, I took them downtown. You know, we did the tourist thing. They, they hadn't been to Pittsburgh in a long, long time. So we, you know, went up to Mount Washington and the, the arts festival was going on. So we walked around the downtown, had a nice dinner downtown at a restaurant. It was fabulous. Really, it was a really beautiful Saturday. And so we walked down, to, uh, took them to the very, you know, to the point, to the very end. And the, um, the fountain not fully operational, but still just a beautiful, beautiful day. And we looked at the artwork and yada, yada you know all the all the cool the river looked great with all the boats out and people you know partying and whatnot but then you look at the the headlines five people were arrested 25 tons of trash removed some 70 plus people taken to local hospitals for drunkenness or some sort of altercations and whatnot i mean what has happened to american society what is the deal with us why this is what i think Would you do this, you know, at your own house? Would you be so stupid and drunken and passed out in your own house that you would do that same stuff at a concert in public? Is that where we've devolved to in this country? Is that what's going on? I mean, you buy a ticket to a concert just to be a complete and total fool. Is that where we've become? So, so some people's names, whether it's Kenny Chesney or whomever, that performer's name now has become ubiquitous with ridiculousness, acting the fool. Apparently, it is because how many times has Kenny Chesney been in town in the past five years or so? This I think it was his third concert. We repeat this again and again. So the good news is, well, not that many people were arrested, and not that many people were taken to the hospital, and not that many fights, and not that much trash. But still. This is what we've done. This is what it is to live in civil society in the United States of America, in western Pennsylvania, in the city of Pittsburgh, when we minimize. Oh, well, you know, not that many people were nuts. I don't know. I don't get it. Clean up after yourself, people. Clean up after yourself. Act like an adult. Connect the dots. Show up, have a good time, and then go home. That's what I say. Mike? You disagree? I see. Kind of look at me like I'm some old man, some grumpy old guy in here.
4: I don't think I'm being grumpy. I don't know, too. I think you are. What?
2: I think you are. I mean, let let people party, but at the at the same time, let people party. Yeah, I mean, they're out of their minds, drunk and stupid. It's not like we're Philadelphia and we're flipping cars. Oh, over. okay. So that, that that's a low bar. Believe yeah. me, it's not like we're Philadelphia. <laughs> that's a low bar.
4: I mean, when the Penguins won the Stanley Cup, I. Went crazy in my backyard. It's
2: the Stanley Cup in your backyard. Yeah. In your backyard, not with fifty-five thousand other people tearing down the city of Pittsburgh, or just—it's just ridiculous. Come on, you know it is. It, it is it, ridiculous. It, you can't really which, defend this. when you're
4: causing harm towards somebody, or you're 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 destruction, you're destructing somebody's property or the city's property, but. You know, if you're hooting and hollering and having fun, and that's that's a different story.
2: Drunk and disorderly, hospital visits, altercations, yeah, all that. I mean, it's up. ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I, I think the big thing is, if you wouldn't do it on your own front porch, why would you go out, drive somewhere, and then do it in public? That's my whole point. It just seems ridiculous. It is ridiculous. All right, thank you. We'll take a quick break. We're going to go to Grove City College. Uh, what is it to be born in South Korea and then make your way as a global citizen and wind up at Grove City. That's next. 101.5 WORD. Coming up
9: on Love Worth Finding.
10: Did you think the Christian life would be easy? God has not promised
7: that we would not know difficulty. He has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us, but he has not promised that we will never have difficulty. Now, if difficulty comes, you may be ready to quit. Adrian
5: Rogers studies the champions of faith this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. Today's world craves leaders. Leaders with vision, moral character, and independent thinking. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And since 1986, Rama Christian School in Moon has laid the foundation that makes leaders. Through academic and extracurricular activities designed to be as instructional as they are competitive, through mission and service opportunities, arts and athletics, an independent school where pre-K through 8th grade students are formed to become the independent leaders of tomorrow. Schedule a tour at rhemachristianschool.org. Hey everyone, this is Ed Glover from
9: Urban Impact. It's time for today's Man Up Minute with Pastor John Nuzo. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 tells us, It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Jethro Tull, a rock band from the 1970s, had a saying on the back of one of their album covers. It said, God created man in his own image and we returned the favor. Most of us have an image of God that doesn't accurately reflect who the Bible says he is. It's God's goodness, not his judgment, that leads us to repentance. True repentance is turning from sin and running to the person of God who loves us beyond all human comprehension. Urban Impact Foundation is doing an amazing work of transformation on the north side of Pittsburgh. One child, one family, one block at a time. They see the families on the north side as God sees them, valuable and precious. Pray for them today and consider becoming a part of their amazing work and attending the annual Man Up Conference in June of 2018.
7: I hope you were encouraged by today's Man Up Minute. For more information on our Man Up Conference on June 9th, visit us online at manuppittsburgh.org. If
5: you're not in the club, you're missing out. Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone, like today. Score two full registration tickets to Creation Northeast, June 27th through 30th at Agape Farm Mountain Union, PA, for half off. That's four full days of camping and concerts, including Toby Mac, Jordan Feliz, Jeremy Camp, Mendeza, and more, for just $101.50. Log on now to wordfm.com. Keyword Shopping.
0: Discover Eden Christian Academy and discover an exceptional education where solid academics and authentic faith prepare students to step confidently into the future. See what the largest non-denominational pre-K through 12th grade Christian school in the North Hills has to offer. From whipple Athletics to fine arts, service activities, and more, Eden Christian Academy, Christ-centered, student-focused, and mission true since 1983. Visit EdenChristianAcademy.org.
5: Graduation is an exciting time in life, but it can also leave you feeling a little uncertain about what's next. If only your high school diploma came with a career game plan. The good news is, Express Employment Professionals is here to help. If you're looking for immediate work, sign up for the Express Jobs app, and you'll be able to apply for a variety of quality jobs quickly and easily. If you want to continue learning and building skills, you can access 18 free CTC courses through their Express Learn program. Learn more today at ExpressPros.com or call Four one two four nine four two thousand.
2: I think it's fair to say that, as a believer in Jesus Christ, living here in the United States, I think probably most of us or a lot of us think, well, yeah, as as we worship Christ here in the states, this is how you know the rest of the people in the world worship Jesus. But I think the truth is somewhere far from that. That. Really, our way of looking at Jesus is different than the rest of the world. Places in Africa or in the Middle East or in Korea, they look at Jesus somehow in in a much more – well, I I don't know. Well, it's just different. We've westernized Christ in some way. We've made him us soft and comfortable. Uh, that's just me saying this. I, I think that somehow we've done ourselves a disservice. Dr. Solgi Bune is with us. Dr. Bune is the chair of the Department of Biblical and Religious Studies at Grove City College. And uh, Dr. Bune, welcome to the show.
11: Uh, hi, John. Thank you. Good to be with you. Yeah,
2: my pleasure. So Dr. Bune, you did not obviously grow up in the United States of America. You are um, a native of South Korea, yes?
11: Yeah, that's right. Um, I was born in South Korea and uh, I lived there. I was a toddler, I think, and I moved around to several different places and um, arrived in the States actually just for college. So that's the first time I came out here. Um, So, yeah, I do have a crazy story. I've lived in several different countries and. uh, and not necessarily native to the states. And uh, one of my good friends actually calls me um, the uh, his international man of mystery. So oh, maybe, that's good. Maybe
2: that's an man. <laughs> <laughs> it's very James Bondish of you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, so Doctor Bean, talk to us about this. You know, the insularity of American faith. Um, This is not how the rest of the world looks at Jesus. But go back and talk about your own faith journey first. Were your parents Christians? Were you a Christian at a a young age? My parents
11: were. Yeah, my my parents were Christians. My father was a pastor actually in South Korea, and then felt called to be a missionary in the late seventies. And uh, back in those days, there were hardly any Koreans going off the mission field. So he uh, was approached by an English missionary with a mission agency called OMF, and so that was his opportunity to become a missionary. So we had to move to Australia to learn English, uh, and then uh, off to Singapore to be trained as missionaries with uh, OMF. And all this time, of course, my father's struggling uh, to uh, figure out where he wanted to go as a missionary, and deep down inside felt the call to go to the the Japanese people, to Japan. If you know anything about the um, history, the early 1900s in particular, you know that the Koreans and pretty much all of Asia actually hated the Japanese because of the Japanese occupation. So eventually we ended up toying with the idea of going to Thailand and Malaysia. I remember visiting those countries and thinking that's where we might go. And then, but we ended up in Japan, uh, his Nineveh, as it were, um, Hmm. So I grew up in Japan from the age of six all the way through high school, um, and then I came to the States for college and ended up living in Boston for 12 years. Then our family moved to England for about 10 years, where I taught at a seminary in London. Uh, and then we moved to the really strange foreign country called Western Pennsylvania. And we've been a <laughs> crow <laughs> city for two years and are uh, loving it now. But yeah, that's, that's a little bit of my
2: backstory. Interesting. So then talk to us about what it was to be a, a, a Korean living in Japan. How out of place did you feel there?
11: Yeah, so um, it was hard initially. I remember uh, the kind of Japanese-looking at Koreans, um, you know, with a, giving us strange faces. It was actually harder. I remember I was probably in third or fourth grade, and my parents went back to Korea for about a half a year just uh, for a deputation. And I had to attend a elementary school in Korea, and um, these kids pulled me aside, and I think they even threatened me, uh, threatened my life, really, uh, and called me the Japanese, you know, in a very sort of... Um, uh negative way and uh so there was still a lot of hatred between the two countries when I was young. But over the course of the last couple probably ten, fifteen years, uh Japan and Korea have um they're they're quite close now. In fact, uh the number one, if I'm not mistaken, import as far as films and stuff is concerned in Japan is Korean dramas and Korean movies. They really, really like really yeah, yeah. So there's been a A really interesting relationship between those two countries, Uh, um, a shift in the last 40, 50 years, Um, and that's been fascinating, too.
2: Wonderful. What about the shift between North and South Korea? Now, growing up with Korean parents, and of course, North Korea in the news an awful lot, what what are your feelings about North and South Korea and Christendom in the middle of all that?
11: Yeah. I heard your segment with Greg um, and all the the constant change um, in politics. On the whole, uh, I think Christians in Korea just really long for reunification in large measure because they obviously want to see uh, North Korea, um, you know, they want to evangelize North Korea, really, so most Christians would really want unification, um, I'm not going to get into politics of all that because it gets really sure, sure. complicated, but, yes. you know, I mean, the thing that's really fascinating about North Korea is the underground church. There's something like anywhere from half a million to 1.5 million Christians uh, in the underground church in North Korea, and it is probably one of the most oppressive and dangerous places, as you can imagine, yes. to be a Christian Um so I think one of the things that you will see in churches in South Korea is they pray fervently for
12: uh,
11: the gospel to go out. Um, I don't know if you've heard stories, but they will a lot of churches uh, have done these evangelistic outreaches where they'll take balloons and put in all sorts of you know Bible verses I or heard something. This. Yes. And you know <laughs> when the winds go north, they'll sort of let them loose. And uh, so there's a real passion for um, the Christians. Uh, South Korean Christians for the North Korean Christians. So from a sort of a Christian perspective, the church perspective, there's huge affection uh, between the two countries. Um, so they will be praying for that often yes. and, and politically then there's ramifications for that too which of course is and, very and,
2: interesting. and shockingly for the first time in many many generations there's uh, there's some hope which is a wonderful and good thing yeah. Dr. Solgi Buhn is with us he is the chair of the Department of Biblical and Religious Studies at Grove City College so uh, Dr. Buhn talk to us about um, you know as I brought you on you know for, through no fault of our own I mean we're born and raised in America so we have this you know sort of self-serving it's kind of a You know, like everybody, we're kind of selfish Mm -hmm. about how we look at the world. But we as Christians here in the United States, this is not necessarily global Christianity, is it?
11: Right. Yeah, one of the things that I've benefited from in living in so many different cultures is that you know, I've learned something from each and every one of those cultures. You glean insight and wisdom from the body of Christ in ways that you never could.
10: Wonderful. Uh, and I
11: love that imagery that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12, talking about the body consisting of many members, right? The foot, the hand, the eye. Yes. And the thing that I've learned, uh, probably more than anything else, um, is that the body of Christ consists of unique and beautiful groups of Christians all around the world. And we have so much to learn from one another. Um, and I think the danger, one of the dangers in American Christianity, because it's a very individualistic society, right? We, we're not as community-driven or village-driven as many of the other cultures around the world and worldviews. Um, Uh, we can be quite insular and inwardly. You know, we think that we're at the epicenter of Christianity, that we've mastered the Christian thing. You know, we've got Tim Keller, Francis Chan, Richard Rohr, whatever your famous church leader that you follow. But the church is actually not growing here. It's growing in almost every other part of the world. Uh, They're approximately, I think if you look at Pew and Center for Study of Global Christianity Statistics, something like 230 million professing Christians in America today. And that's a generous number that includes Protestants, Catholics, Orthodox Church. Yes. But think about this. There are today something like 400 million Christians in Asia, and that's not accounting for inflated numbers of the underground church in China, so it could be higher than that. There are more than 600 million Christians in Latin America, 630 or so million Christians in Africa, and so I mean, and and in terms of growth, those are the parts of the world where it's growing exponentially. So just one, uh, I think it's in Africa where in the last 100 years, the population, the share of the population that claims to be Christian Africa climbed from 9% in like 1910 or something like that to 65% in 2010. Wow. And here in the U.S., Christianity has been declining steadily, with no turning sight, in particular, with the, the teenagers and young adults, especially. I mean, they're leaving the church in droves, which, if you you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist then to project that mm-hmm. into the
5: future.
11: And you know, we're it's not great.
10: No, um, no
3: it's not. We're
11: the backwards. Future doesn't look great.
2: So, right. so is it then, is it what you talked about earlier, the, the individualistic way we look at ourselves, we are not community-based like they are in many p- parts of the world, or is it you know just the rise of social media or the nuns and all those things combined, our biblical illiteracy here in the country, our lack of evangelism, all those things combined to this?
11: Yeah, there's so many factors, John. I think, um, you know, at the very least, one of the things that... Um, it's the relative comfort, too, and the wealth of any nation. I mean, you can uh, look at, you know, the Western European countries. um, uh, You can look at even South Korea now. Uh, When I was a child, there was a fervency of uh, faith uh, that was very different now, in large measure, I think, because they're one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Samsung and Hyundai and all these huge corporations, they, yes. they've been very, very successful, and that has affected the church. Um, and if you go to South Korea now, they'll talk about that quite a bit, how do we stem this tide, you know? this. Um, I think what I would say is that, you know, one of the most... One of the things that I repeatedly emphasize with my students, um, and even at our church in Pittsburgh, uh, where I attend, uh, we need... The global church today more than ever. Right, we need the persecuted Christians in Africa and in China and in North Korea to teach us how to stand firm right in the midst of trials. We need Christians in Europe, in England, where I live, for example. One of the things they did so well because they live in a post-Christian culture. Yes, um, England is actually interestingly, I mean, it could be a uh, uh, sort of harbinger of where we might end up in ten, twenty, thirty years, mm-hmm. um, you know, if things continue to go the, uh, the way that we are. But in the, the the church in England, one of the things that I learned ten years over there is they are so focused on the essentials uh, because they don't have the luxury of just kind of uh, you know um, churches at every corner. They, it, it sort of refines them to hold on to the true gospel or. We could end up believing a false gospel, Wars. or eventually turn into a post-Christian nation. And I think that's the irony: is that England, France, Germany—these uh, countries that are now post-Christian—those I mean, are the countries where the Reformation happened, with Calvin, Luther, and Cranmer. So um, it's a it's a really important thing for the church in America to kind of wake up and to. Like the one Corinthians twelve passages talked about, we need each other. Yes. The hand needs the eye, the, the eye needs the. We, we are all constituent parts of the body of Christ, and you know if we act insularly and inwardly, um, that's really just uh, only uh, going to lead to our demise. I think so.
2: That's very good. That's a great great a monday wake-up call uh dr bune we're sorry our time's up but we really appreciate your time and uh please come and join us again enjoy the conversation great thank you john the pleasure is mine dr solgi bune he is the chair of the department of biblical and religious studies at grove city college it's a great wake-up call do we want to slide ourselves into that post-christian world or are we active engaged communal in our worship of christ
7: Hey everyone, this is Ed Glover from Urban Impact. It's time for today's Man Up Minute with Pastor John
9: Nuzo. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 tells us, It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Jethro Tull, a rock band from the 1970s, had a saying on the back of one of their album covers. It said, God created man in his own image and we returned the favor. Most of us have an image of God that doesn't accurately reflect who the Bible says he is. It's God's goodness, not his judgment, that leads us to repentance. True repentance is turning from sin and running to the person of God who loves us beyond all human comprehension. Urban Impact Foundation is doing an amazing work of transformation on the north side of Pittsburgh. One child, one family, one block at a time. They see the families on the north side as God sees them, valuable and precious. Pray for them today and consider becoming a part of their amazing work and attending the annual Man Up Conference in June of 2018.
7: I hope you were encouraged by today's Man Up Minute. For more information on our Man Up Conference on June 9th, visit us online at manuppittsburgh.org. Yep, yeah, traffic. It is what it is. Cars on the Kennedy Expressway. Missed concerts, football games, lots of cold dinners, and cold shoulders from Cindy. How much longer do I have to do this? Kids miss me. Cindy misses me. Our marriage is missing me.
0: With a financial strategy from Kurt Knodek.
7: There he was on the radio again. Kurt
0: sooner than
7: they planned. Yeah, retire sooner. So I called Kurt. We just talked. About life, family... It felt right. Then come to find out, Kurt's personalized retirement planning showed me retirement wasn't as far off as I thought. Now the only thing I'm missing is the traffic.
4: Let's talk. Accurate Solutions Group. 412-515-3355. That's 412-515-3355.
8: Investment
7: advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC, and Accurate Investment Solutions, Inc. Oh, long time no see. It's me, the rock t-shirt in the back of
3: your closet. (laughs) Dude, remember, you crowd surfed in me, man. But you haven't worn me in like forever. I get it, you're retired, but I still got some rock left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference.
5: Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to Goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the
2: Ad Council. Hey, it's a sixth annual Faith Night at PNC Park. July 27th, the Bucks take on the Mets. We're going to be there. Hope that you are as well. WordFM.com to get your tickets. This is always a wonderful night. It really, really is. And I remember the first time I, the first faith night, I had no idea what to expect. But the cool thing is, you know, when you see the guys on the field, the players, even though the Bucks are having a hard time, um, when you see them after they come out of their uniforms and they walk onto the field, I don't know, 10, 20, sometimes more than that of uh, the players sit down in just these folding chairs right on the third baseline and they're in their street clothes. And they kind of lose, at least for me, that's kind of, you know, that Superman. Superman's taken off his cape, those mythic figures on the field, you know, whacking the ball and running and catching. And they become just like you and me, and you think, yeah, of course, just regular men. They just happen to be imbued with these wonderful physical skills. But they still face the same troubles that you and I do, the same temptations, the same fears, the, the same despair, all that, the same sin. So then to see these guys on the field on faith night, Year after year, and you think, yeah, God is good. God is faithful. And he, he is an equal opportunity God, right? You cry out for the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me. He will come to you. He will come to you and change your life forever. So all that to say, come on out to the ballpark with us. We're down there in uh, Federal Street before the game. We always give away T-shirts. It's fun. Get your family. Get your church. Get your next-door neighbor who's not a believer and show up. Faith Night, July 27th. WordFM.com is the place for details. Sharing the word that
4: changes the world.
2: 101.5 WORDFM.
4: Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group.
8: With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. And one of the most highly anticipated decisions this term, the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of a Colorado
9: baker who refused to bake a cake for a same-sex couple. In a 7-2 ruling, the court upheld the right of a Colorado baker to refuse to bake a cake for a same-sex couple because it violated his religious beliefs. But the court stopped short of deciding the bigger issue of whether a business can refuse to serve a homosexual couple. The justices ruled on what they described as anti-religious bias by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission when it ruled against the Baker. Correspondent Wally Hines reporting. President
8: Trump may have stirred up another controversy by tweeting this morning that he has the absolute right to pardon himself. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders was asked several times about President Trump's assertion.
12: Thankfully, the president hasn't done anything wrong and wouldn't have any need for a pardon.
7: This is srnu the ride home with john and kathy driven by calusi chevrolet serving the pittsburgh area for 100 years so here's a great
5: question how much would you save if you joined medishare for your health care program the typical savings for a family is about 500 dollars a month You might save more. Tammy left a major company and needed a new way ahead for her family. She'd heard about the savings with MediShare, but was wondering about the network of providers.
4: Once we started the program, I have not had to switch one doctor for myself or for my kids. So we, all the doctors that we were previously with were all in MediShare.
5: And she says the process has been fantastic.
4: I got off the phone and I was like, that's what it should be like. It was a pleasurable experience. Um, an encouraging experience at that.
5: Metashare might be just the thing you're looking for for your family, your budget. Use the savings for other things. Why not get your questions answered? Find out how much you can save. You can call right now 844 41 Bible. That's 844 41 Bible. 844 41 Bible. You know the moment. The
4: workday is over. Your daily responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lay back. It's that end of day. (sighs) Ah. That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-soothing serenity. Made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com
2: When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line. A long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory.
0: Oh, my papa. To me, you are so wonderful. Oh, my papa. To me, you are so good. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse. I'm a little biased, but I think we five minor kids got the best dad around. Let's celebrate those special men in our lives with a Springhouse Father's Day steak fry and chicken barbecue. My brother Sam and his boys will crank up the barbecue pit outside and grill the chicken quarters and the New York strip steaks with our special Father's Day marinade. Come hungry, for all the fixins to go with your steak or chicken hot off the pit. Top off the meal with a brownie or blondie, something to suit every dad's taste or any of our other sweet creations. Of course, every dad is treated to a Springhouse ice cream cone and we will have live music all day, too. Visit the calves out in the play area and plan to have a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA. 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com
1: Intervals of clouds and sun are quite breezy this afternoon, certainly cooler than it has been of late. The high just 71, partly cloudy tonight, perhaps a shower toward daybreak like 54. For tomorrow, clouds and limited sun, breezy and cool. A couple of showers will cross the area, perhaps even a thunderstorm later on, the high 68. On Wednesday, intervals of clouds and sunshine are remaining cool for June, the high 67. I'm AQ others, well Joe Lundberg on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are
2: your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon. Greetings, too. Kathy's taking a little day off, a little rest and recreation. That's good. A longer weekend. I'm happy to be with you here today. We've got a, a good, really strong 5 o'clock hour. So you may have heard the uh, the news that the Supreme Court has come down with a decision today about what they're, what they're calling the Masterpiece Cake Supreme Court decision. We're going to talk with that uh, talk about uh, that ruling. That uh, it's really, I it's historic in many ways. Even though the Supreme Court kind of soft pedaled the ultimate decision, but uh, David French is going to join us again. Uh, David's a senior writer at the National Review. That's a, maybe uh, ten minutes or so. And, uh, we're also going to talk with a, a pastor about is the Bible pro slavery? He'll talk to us about that, which is always an interesting conversation. People want to go to that. People who are not Christians. Well, you know, you're Christians. You're always pro slavery. So we'll talk about that as well around 540. So how about this? Uh, uh, Bill Clinton's back in the news. Have you seen this? You know, the, um, the president has, which I'm always kind of co written a book. Um, uh, well, I guess what you know that would come out in the wash. The president's co-written the book. Who knows how much he wrote it? Because he wrote it with James Patterson. I mean, have you read James Patterson's books? He's been around for decades, and uh, he's a gigantic author. They would call him a famed author. Co-written a book called "The President Is Missing," and so as Bill Clinton and uh, James Patterson go out on the very beginnings of their brand new um, book tour. They talked to NBC News and a reporter for NBC News, a guy named Craig Melvin, who I did not know did a fine job in this sit-down television interview with James Patterson and Bill Clinton. And the first 20 minutes of the interview, they, the interview was set up in two parts. The first 20 minutes of the interview was kind of what you would expect, you know, sort of a, a soft sell, tell us how the book is and what was it like working together and yada, yada, that kind of thing. Took a break, and then they came back, and all of a sudden, Craig Melvin, uh, he went at it. And I think he really surprised, flummoxed uh, former President Clinton. Um, I want, let's take a little listen to this, these two clips that the president and um, NBC News uh, reporter Craig Melvin uh, exchanged uh, some really interesting back and forth.
3: One of the things that this, this Me Too era has done, it's forced a, a lot of women uh, to speak out. One of those women, Monica Lewinsky, she wrote in an op-ed that the Me Too movement changed her view of sexual harassment. Quote, he was my boss, he was the most powerful man on the planet, he was 27 years my senior, with enough life experience to know better. He was at the time at the pinnacle of his career while I was in my first job uh, out of college. Looking back on what happened then, through the lens of Me Too, now, do you, do you think
10: differently or feel more responsibility? No, I felt terrible then. And I came to grips with it. And Did you ever apologize No. And no Yes, and nobody believes that I got out of that for free. I must have White out $16 million in debt. But you typically have ignored gaping facts in describing this, and I bet you don't even know them. This was litigated 20 years ago. Two-thirds of the American people sided with me. They were not insensitive to that. I had a sexual harassment policy when I was governor in the 80s. I had two women chiefs of staff when I was governor. Women were overrepresented in the attorney general's office in the 70s for their percentage in the bar. I've had nothing but women leaders in my office since I left. You are giving one side and omitting. But Mr. President, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to present a side. I'm no, not- no. I'm, you asked me if I agreed. The answer is no.
2: I don't. And I- okay, so there it is. I mean, clearly, Bill Clinton was uh, struck by the tone of the conversation. He backpedaled quickly. What's interesting is that um, the reporter Craig Melvin said, "Did you apologize?" And the first words out of Bill Clinton's mouth were "No," and then he said, "Yes, no, yes." So did he or didn't he? Well, apparently. What he would consider an apology, he did not apologize directly, face-to-face, eye-to-eye to Monica Lewinsky. He did apologize on the on the dais, you know, uh, as he was president of the United States. I think more importantly, he probably was apologizing just because he got caught. But the fact of the matter is he, he did apologize in a general blanket way. And then to go on and say, well, you know, he lost a lot. Well, of course, uh, financially he lost a lot. You know, yeah, the 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 huge legal amount that he had to go through cost him a lot of money—sixteen million dollars. So, yeah. So, for Bill Clinton to to moan and complain that he left the White House in debt, well, <laughs> that was his debt of his own doing. Now, true. Since Bill Clinton has left the White House, as is the case with all former presidents, most former presidents, but especially in the modern era, that's a gold. That's a golden ticket. It's Willy Wonka's golden ticket times 10 because Bill Clinton's net worth now is estimated well over $80 million. So please do not cry poor mouth about the, all the, the horrendous suffering financially you have uh, endured because of your own folly. But the hashtag me Too movement, now, this is a really interesting, fascinating era we are living through in the United States. And, and, and Craig Melvin from NBC News picks this same thread up. Here, listen to this.
3: Well, I asked if you'd ever apologized, and you said you had. I have. You've apologized to really.
2: I apologize to everybody in the world.
10: It is important to me that everybody who has been hurt know that the sorrow I feel is genuine. First and most important, my family, Monica Lewinsky and her family.
3: But you didn't apologize to
10: her. I have not talked to her. Do you I, feel I you thought it her an apology? No, I do. I I I do not. I've never talked to her. But I did say publicly on more than one occasion that I was sorry. That's very different. The apology was public.
3: And you don't think a private apology is owed?
10: I think this thing has been it's 20 years ago. Come on. Let's talk about JFK. Let's talk about, you know, LBJ. Stop already. I don't think President you think President Kennedy should have resigned. Do you believe President Johnson should have resigned? Uh, Someone President- should ask you these questions because of the way you formulate the questions. I dealt with it 20 years ago, plus, And the American people, two thirds of them stayed with me. And I've tried to. Do a good job since then with my life and with my work. That's all I have to say to you.
2: Fascinating, isn't it? I mean, really, out of left field, uh, Bill Clinton was held under the microscope. I mean, I, he had to know this was coming sooner or later, especially, like I said, with uh, the exclamation point of where we're living here in America in 2018 with the hashtag Me Too. So the president, uh, the former president, uh, is on a press tour now with a new book. The president is missing with James Patterson. That other voice you heard in that conversation was James Patterson saying, "Well, yeah, should you know, should JFK have resigned? Should LBJ have resigned? Well, the fact of the matter is, even though JFK was known as a great philander, philanderer after the fact, in the public viewpoint, right after the fact, decades after the fact, quite honestly." No one knew this was going on with uh, the the multiple multiple women that uh, JFK was involved with while he was president. But there, I mean, Bill Clinton, totally different while in in office. (sighs) I wonder how much press the president will continue to do considering that this will dog him. 20 years is 20 years. It's still still a fact. And whatever you think of Monica Lewinsky – uh, her life completely altered, forever altered. I mean this this is the shadow that will always be with that woman, and I feel bad for. Her. I mean, I, you know, she was a young, stupid intern, and I think she would, you know, I'm not being cruel here by saying that she was. She was just caught up in the moment and to moon over the president and to think that she would, you know, be invited into the inner sanctum, so to speak. And now, as a you know, she, I think Monica Lewinsky is 44 years of age. I know she deeply regrets that, as I'm sure the president uh, himself does as well. God help us, right? God help us indeed. We'll take a quick break, come back. David French is with us. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court ruling that was announced today about the masterpiece cake decision. That's next. Stay home. 101.5
3: WORD. Hi, this is Dr. Tony Evans and I am thrilled to be part of the 101.5 Word FM family. I want to get three incredible resources into your hands. We're giving away our three most requested messages of 2018 on MP3 download. It's yours for the asking. Just go to wordfm.com keyword Tony and don't forget you can listen to me on the alternative weekdays at 3:30 p.m. right here on 101.5 Word FM
6: Marley Financial has done it again. These guys are just fantastic. This is Kathy Emmons. Many of you know or have worked with our friend Todd Marley at Marley Financial, and you know they were the first and still the best option for individual health insurance, providing both traditional and non-Obamacare plans. But now, they're also offering the best group health plans in the nation, with typical savings of up to 40%. Small, medium, and even large groups, Marley's got you covered, giving you and your employees access to national networks where you can go to any hospital, Highmark, UPMC, Mayo Clinic, or even Johns Hopkins. Marley gives you the power to choose what's best for you and your employees, whether they're W-2 or 1099 subcontractors. Without the usual headaches of things like minimum participation or employer contributions, call Marley Financial now. 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496. And find out what it's like to work with the most innovative agency in Pennsylvania. 724-884-1496 at MarleyFG.
7: I've been in the Cairo's uh, prison ministry for a little over 10 years now. Meet Dwight long-time volunteer with Kairos Prison Ministry. A team of 20 to 24 men go in on the inside of the prison and spend three and a half days explaining the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I participated in the first weekend and I saw how men's lives were changed, it just became something I fell in love with. We present talks and meditations, and over the course of this time, they'll be in small groups, and they'll talk about what they've heard. I've seen guys that are just hardened. At the end of these three and a half days, they're totally transformed. They come away with a sense of hope, and they have something to live for. Nothing is impossible with God. I've seen it happen. Being part of Kairos is like having a front-row seat to see God change lives right in front of you. And to be able to give the gift of hope to one of these incarcerated men, that's something that you'll never
5: forget. Call 412-368-6691 to become a volunteer. Kairos Prison Ministry, 412-368-6691. Why a classical Christian education? Because kids learn differently at different ages. Through grammar, we grasp the building blocks of knowledge. Logic teaches how those building blocks relate. Then rhetoric helps us communicate what we know. For over 50 years, Trinity Christian School has intentionally applied this classical approach to education with great success. It's just one reason why they're consistently ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County. Trinity Christian School. 412-242-8886. 412-242-8886.
3: The nation's largest Christian music festival, Creation
5: Northeast. Celebrating its 40th anniversary. Returns to Agape Farm in Mount Union, Pennsylvania. June 27th through the 30th. Featuring Toby Mann. Fort King and Country. Jeremy Camp. <laughs> Bethel Music. Mandisa. Phil Song, Young and Free. Jordan Feliz. A special reunion of classic Petra and more. Plus speakers Tony Nolan, Reed Saunders, Keith Adams, Abdu Murray, Vince Vitale and more. Join thousands of believers at Creation Northeast. It will be the highlight of your summer. Maybe your life. More
2: info at creationfest.com. David French is with us. David is a senior writer for the National Review. He wrote a terrific piece today at the National Review called In Masterpiece Cake Shop, Justice Kennedy Strikes a Blow for the Dignity of the Faithful. David, welcome back.
12: Thanks for having me back. I appreciate
2: it. Always our pleasure, David. So, uh I got to be honest, I was surprised by today's decision. Talk to us about the particulars of this. The Supreme Court essentially said yes that the owner of the Masterpiece a masterpiece cake shop was essentially um messed with because of his Christian religious convictions. Yes? Yeah, so essentially
12: what happened is that there were two there were two defenses that Jack Phillips, owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop, offered to Colorado's um, attempt to sanction him. The first is he said he had a free speech right to decline to bake, or to create the cake. And the other thing is he said that um, it burdened his free exercise of religion for the state to order him to bake the cake, to design the cake. Now, the Supreme Court did not decide the free speech claim. it just left that out there. But it did say that the um, state of Colorado violated his rights to free exercise in two ways. One, there were elements of the opinions in the actions below. But when I say below, I mean at the in Colorado state proceedings that indicated that the decision makers were motivated by anti-Christian bias, hmm. uh, and that Justice Kennedy singled out a one particularly egregious statement where a commissioner at the Colorado Civil Rights Commission said that, well, claims of religious liberty were used to justify things like slavery and the Holocaust, uh, which indicated that they did not have an open mind towards Jack Phillips. And then the other thing that they said is there were evidence of double standards, that there was a Christian individual who had tried to get three different bakers to bake cakes that had anti-gay message, anti-gay marriage messages. Um, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission said they didn't have to bake those cakes, but Jack Phillips has to bake the one that helps celebrate same-sex marriage. And what Justice Kennedy, writing for the majority, said was that that evidence of double standard indicated that there was an anti-religious bias in play, that the decision-makers were not neutral. Right. And and that meant that he won on the religious liberty grounds on those, basically those two separate, for those two separate reasons. And And the fact that there were those two separate reasons makes this case a little bit broader than a lot of the uh, folks in the mainstream media are talking about
2: now. I see. So generally, I would say, right, we're talking in the broadest terms, this was good for Christians, whether they're, you know, trying to run their own small business or just the way that you look at the world, especially from a biblical perspective. This was good, even though the Supreme Court essentially passed on the central issue.
12: Yeah, it's absolutely good. I mean, let, let's just put this in context. A couple of years ago, when this case was winding us through, ca- winding its way through the lower courts, there were a lot of people saying, don't appeal this to the Supreme Court. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. Like there was a presumption after a fell that the odds were against Jack Phillips. And then to win this case and not just win it, but win it on a 7-2 majority is a pretty huge turnaround. And, and the, you know, a lot of people look at Supreme Court cases and they, they look at it like, uh, you know, trying to blow up the death Star in Star Wars you want to just destroy once and for all whatever bad argument from the other side yes and, and and that doesn't that rarely happens that rarely happens normally though the normally the Supreme Court makes more incremental decisions based on the facts of the case and they made a case, uh, made a decision here based on the facts of the case. That, it, that actually has a broader application than a lot of people realize, but it's absolutely good for, re, for religious freedom. Outstanding.
2: So Justice Kennedy, once again, he wrote the lead response. Please tell us about that.
12: Yeah, so this was very ironic uh, because this is the guy, he's the father of constitutional gay marriage, <laughs> wrote an opinion protecting the religious liberty of the Christian baker who refused to help celebrate a gay marriage.
2: And that's the power so, of the law, isn't it?
12: Well, and it's it's also the, the Kennedy worldview. So the Kennedy worldview is that he likes tolerance, uh, and he does not like bullies. And And in this instance, I feel like he was particularly outraged by the evidence and the record of the case that Jack Phillips was actually bullied um, and that the, the state came down on him like a ton of bricks and, um, with acting through decision makers who were just flat out biased against his religious faith. And, and that is something that, you know, not only is it, you know, not only is it something that I think is pretty clearly violates the free exercise clause, I think it in particular, Offends Justice Kennedy's sense of
2: fairness. Excellent. So let's go back for a second and talk about, you know, this ruling where the, um, Colorado Civil Commission said, well, someone came in and wanted to write anti gay messages on a cake. Now, clearly, whoever was, you know, going into a bake shop and wanting to write anti gay messages, they were just trying to prove a point. They were essentially pushing the envelope, and this has come up. Right.
12: Right, I mean, and you know that's something. I mean, I personally have mixed feelings on that. I don't necessarily want Christians running around going to bakers and no, saying, no. "Right, Andy, yeah, <laughs> right." But on, the other hand, but on the other hand, there's a long history in American law of test cases that are filed to test, um, and to expose double standards, to expose injustices, and there's any number of ways he could have done it, and he could have exposed it. And but in in fact, the way he did it here, pretty neatly. Exposed the double standard, and and that that's one thing that was that was critical in the decision was the exposure of that double standard. Because what ended up happening is the Colorado Civil Rights Commission just couldn't quite bring itself to apply the same rule to um, to people that it it. Let's put it this way: the Colorado Supreme um, Civil Rights Commission couldn't quite bring itself to be consistent when being consistent would mean reaching an outcome they didn't necessarily like so they chose to be inconsistent to make sure that they got all of the outcomes that they liked and that ended up torpedoing
9: their case yes
2: so of anybody in the case whether it's the gay uh, the gay couple the baker or the colorado civil rights commission clearly the colorado civil rights commission looks poorly here
12: oh absolutely absolutely and I'll give you a little hint. Um, it's not just the Colorado Civil Rights Commission that has problems like this in their cases. Um, it is not that uncommon to have some evidence of anti-Christian animus coming out in these cases, and and so um, there, there, you know, this is something where you're right now you're going to have lawyers across the country are going, oh, interesting, and they're going to be combing through the records of their cases,
3: really, to
12: see. Is there, you know, have there been any statements made by these adjudicators that indicates bias? Because one thing a lot of people forget is that these civil rights commissions are not quite as professionally run often sure. as the court systems that you're used to. And they often are heavily staffed with ideologues. And these ideologues are not necessarily disciplined in their public speech. Mm-hmm. And so there, you know, you may well see evidence of other people uh, of uh, in other cases. may well see evidence of bias emerging.
2: I see. So the big picture, so as the Supreme Court essentially passed on whether, you know, you can choose to, to say no to a customer who comes into your bakery, that big picture is just kind of bypassed. What will happen next? I mean, what's the next step in this, whether a florist or a baker or whomever chooses who they want to work with or not?
12: Yeah, so the next step is going to be so, you know, the immediate step is that this case is going to go back to Colorado. Colorado is going to have a choice to make. Is it going to try to take another run at prosecuting Phillips? Well, prosecuting is not exactly the right word because it's not a criminal proceeding, but continuing its proceedings against Masterpiece Cake Shop, or is it going to let it drop? If it doesn't let it drop, it's got a real uphill uphill uh, road to, you know, uphill climb to, to try to get back before the Supreme Court because there's just a lot of bad evidence in the record for them. And then there's other cases out there right now um, where lawyers are going to be comparing the facts of their case to the Supreme Court's decision. And I can think off the top of my head of a case out of Oregon where I think there may be some really problematic stuff in the record for the state. And so that's the next thing. And then the last thing is this, this teaches people a lot of lessons going forward, and that is um, if you're going to try to make the Christian baker bake the cake or the florist arrange the flowers, then they're going to have to make sure their ducks in a, are in a row on a lot of other kinds of cases. And that's going to be a challenge for the state. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not to say you won't have this come forward to the Supreme Court sometime again relatively soon. But, uh, you know, one of the interesting things about this is that uh, for a lot of people viewed the Phillips case as, as one of the cases where the fact pattern wasn't as favorable uh, for religious liberty as some other cases out there. So, I don't think that the job of the less job when it comes to trying to, to to try to force these Christian vendors to participate and help celebrate same sex marriages, or these Christian artists, to be more precise. Help celebrate same sex marriages. I don't think they're going to find the, the law as hospitable as they would like. Wonderful.
2: Now, people, you know, on the left would say, well, you know, it's, it's not about the cake. You know, it's about human dignity and inclusiveness and tolerance and, and, and everything like that. But, but the fact of the matter is, you know, it seems as though this gay couple, as they, you know, said they were denied the cake, that they, in their claims, they said they were humiliated by this. Now, not to minimize their feelings, but at the same time, you think, OK, well, that guy doesn't want to make a cake. Well, let's just move someplace else and just get on with it instead of supposedly ruining their wedding, which is the picture that they painted.
12: Well, and it's humiliation and, and uh, lack of dignity. <laughs> Uh, Is your standard. Well, what about the humiliation that Jack Phillips suffered as he was compared to being a Nazi and subjected to a state re education program? And that that was one of the interesting things about this case. You know, there was a lot of talk in the run up to the case about this concept called dignitary harm that what Jack Phillips had done is he had harmed the dignity of the gay couple that came in the, the store. Well, the interesting thing was that Kennedy really highlighted the harm to Jack Phillips as a result of all of this. You know, he was subjected to a state proceeding where they mocked and denigrated his faith. Is that their dignitary harm there? So dignity runs is a two-way street, and intolerance is a two-way street, and and uh, you know the, in the the gay couple in this case uh, had ample opportunity to purchase a cake or from another vendor that they were not deprived of a wedding cake. Yes, uh, but Jack Phillips says to deprivation of his liberty, and and that's why I think it is worth celebrating the outcome of this case. His his rights to free exercise of religion had been restored by the Supreme court.
2: Yes. Now, Jack Phillips is one such baker who has been targeted like this. And I I know there's been stories that other people, florists and or bakers or other vendors have been driven out of business. Do you know, Jack Phillips, is he still in business as a baker?
12: Uh, Yes. Last I heard, he he is. Uh, I'm not quite sure how healthy the business is after all the negative publicity. Uh, but so far as I know, he he still is
2: outstanding. Well, uh, kudos to uh, the people from Alliance Defend- Defending Freedom for the work that they've done. I'm sure that was pro bono work. So hopefully, Jack Phillips is not carrying the burden of uh, insurmountable legal bills on his shoulder as well.
12: Well, fortunately, you know, ad I used to I used to be a senior counsel for ADF, and it does represent its clients pro bono. Uh, but put in a plug uh, for ADF; it, they don't it, they still have to pay their lawyers. So. You've got, if you're thinking about supporting a worthy cause, ADF is certainly a worthy
2: cause. Outstanding. David, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your wisdom, for your clarity on sometimes very complex issues. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. David French, Senior Writer for National Review. We've been very honored to win the Better
10: Business Bureau Torch Award for Business Ethics three times, which is great. Energy Swing Windows, Steve Renekamp. But we were recently recognized with an award that was totally unsolicited. It's called the Best of the Best Award. Uh, this is an award you don't apply for. And the organization that does this selects companies that have great reputations in the marketplace. They look at your online reviews. They look at your website. They look at Better Business Bureau reports. They look at a whole variety of things, and they determine if you fit the criteria of being the best of the best. And fortunately, uh, they thought we did. There's a very short video on the front page of our website that talks about this award and the way we do business and why we received it. Energy Swing,
5: best of the best. Right now, WordFN listeners get 5% off over and above any current offers on windows and doors, and $1,200 off any basement finishing project. Visit EnergySwingWindows.com.
9: Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. If you want to buy a home, we could help you get a great mortgage that may require as little as 3% down. And we also invented Rocket Mortgage. It gives you a solid approval in as few as 8 minutes. And for 8 years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Call a America's largest mortgage lender at 800 Quicken or go to rocketmortgage.com.
5: Based on rocket mortgage data in comparison to public data records, call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender, License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Results may vary. Saturday, June 23rd, Epic Leap Entertainment proudly presents Big Daddy Weed. I need live at the Belmont Complex in Catenning with special guest, Citizen Way. Tickets on sale now at showclicks.com. Big Daddy Weed, 8 p.m. live. Doors open at 6 p.m. Don't miss Big Daddy Weed, June 23rd. Sponsored by JD Waterproofing.
4: You know the moment. The homework and dishes are done. Your family responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lay back. It's that end of day. (sighs) That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-comforting orthopedic made locally at the original mattress factory relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work the original mattress factory thoughtfully made honestly priced original mattress.com
5: if you're not in the club you're missing out word fm discount shopping club members get up to half off great deals every day right from your computer or smartphone like today Score two full registration tickets to Creation Northeast June 27th through 30th at Agape Farm Mountain Union, PA for half off. That's four full days of camping and concerts including Toby Mac, Jordan Feliz, Jeremy Camp, Mendeza, and more for just $101.50. Log on now to wordfm.com. Keyword shopping. Intervals of clouds and sun
1: are quite breezy this afternoon, certainly cooler than it has been of late, the high to 71, partly cloudy tonight, perhaps a shower toward daybreak till 54. For tomorrow, clouds and a limited sun, breezy and cool. A couple of showers will cross the area, perhaps even a thunderstorm later on, the high 68. On Wednesday, intervals of clouds and sunshine are remaining cool for June, the high 67. I'm others well, Joe Lundberg on 101.5 Word FM.
2: I own a uh, craftsman lawnmower, and, uh, you know, those lawnmowers require maintenance. So I, I went to my uh, – got a guy that uh, I use as a, a local guy, services you know, all the landscape people, all their blades and weed whackers and power saws and whatnot. He's a good guy. So I, I took the blade off, and it was a beat blade, and so I went up and tried to get a replacement. And he said, I don't have a replacement which surprised me because he's always got everything. I mean, he's helping, but he didn't have it. So I had to go to Sears. And I can be honest, it has been a long, long time since I've been inside a Sears store. And um, Sears is really, and this is no big news flash here, but Sears is really dying. Holy smokes. I, I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't expect uh, the complete and total ghost town that Sears has become. And uh, I was thinking about that because I, I did get what I needed at the brick-and-mortar store. But someone said, hey, you know, you could have you know, just called the, the Sears directory, 1-800, whatever that Sears line is, and just ordered it over the phone or just gone online. You know, you need a blade and filter, which was specific to the lawnmower. Um, but then yesterday, uh, last night, my wife and I went to the movies. We went to the uh, Southside Works. When's the last time we went to Southside Works? Mike, have you been there? Do you you know the Southside Works? Um, oh yeah, I love it. I did, love it there. I was surprised. You know, I, I had not been there for a long time. It's not a place that I frequent. It's not sort of in my area. No. But we went to the movie theater, and it was Sunday night, and it was but it was a seven o'clock movie. There were me, and my wife, and two other people in the theater. Just the two of us. We went and saw a film called The Rider. Now, I can recommend this to a certain group of friends. Now, let me just say this: there is some drug use in the film. There is also a ton of prayer. It's a really interesting film. It almost borders, borderlines on a documentary, but that's a whole other story for a different time. But we were at the Southside Works. That looks as though there are, you know, it's brick and mortar. We live in some difficult times here. It looks like they themselves, um, what? Well, there's a Smith and Wolansky, the steakhouse. That place was dead. It's mm-hmm. seven o'clock on a Sunday night. No, it is Sunday night. I'll give it. It's not Friday night. It's not Saturday night. That place was dead. There were many open storefronts at the Southside Works. Look at, um, what, Century 3 Mall. That's essentially a ghost town. Pittsburgh Mills. That's pretty much a ghost town. All these different brick-and-mortar places that we, we would go to in the past, uh, you feel bad for retailers trying to make a go of it, especially for the mom and pops. I mean, it's one thing for the corporate. But the the world has changed so much, how we shop, how we engage, who we are as a culture. Everything's I mean, online now. Everything's online. I mean, my wife and I, we were sort of debating, do we go to the movies or not? She, we could stay home and watch Netflix, which I think probably is the call for a lot of people. But we went, and I was glad we went, because it was a really, it was a fabulous film, really. It's the best film I've seen this year. The Rider. Interesting. Yeah. It was, it was an amateur cast, and it's all, like I said, almost a documentary of young guys, 19 20 21 years old who wanted to be rodeo stars. <laughs> I'm telling wow. you there's a whole culture this is a big culture of cowboys cowboys and you know the 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 actors in this movie were native americans. Interesting. Na- they were indian co- cowboys and indians the two combined. It's a fascinating film, the writer. But like I said, I can't recommend – I'm not going to say go see this film because there is some some rampant drug use. But like I said also, there's a lot of prayer in this movie, so really interesting. But believe me, four people in the theater, it's not going to stick around long. Uh, Let's take a break, come back. Gavin Ortland is going to be with us in a few minutes. This is a difficult subject as well. We're going to talk about slavery and the Bible. Is the Bible pro-slavery? It's often brought up by people who are atheists and maybe even some Christians as well. Stay with us for that conversation in just a few minutes.
5: 101.5 WORD with James McDonald and Walk in the Word. When sin has been festering
7: in your heart, it may feel like you'll never be free. But you can, and by God's grace you will. This week on Walk in the Word, James McDonald continues the series called Think Differently with Practical Lessons on How to Renew Your Mind in Christ. Listen all week
5: to Walk in the Word with James McDonald. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. on 101.5 WORD. Message and data rates may apply. Texting enrolls for recurring text messages. Happy
4: Father's Day, Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day, honey.
5: Oh, thanks, guys. I love the gifts. And guess what? This Father's Day, I got a special gift for the whole family.
4: Oh, something for us?
5: Yep. I got Z-Quiet for my snoring problem. I figured it was about time I admitted my snoring was keeping all of us from getting a restful night's sleep.
4: Well... I think I'm going to love Father's Day even more now.
5: Hi, I'm Dan. As founders of Z-Quiet, my wife
12: Trina and I know the disruption and lack of sleep snoring causes.
4: That's why we developed an amazing solution called Z-Quiet.
12: Z-Quiet is easy to use and works immediately so you can sleep comfortably without making a sound.
4: This Father's Day, give everyone a gift they really want and need. A great night's sleep.
5: Try
9: Z-Quiet for
5: 30 days for just $9.95. Text SLEEP. To 246810
7: or go to GetZQuiet.com. Text SLEEP to 246810 or go to GetZQuiet.com. Yep, yeah, traffic. It is what it is. Cars on the Missed concerts, football games, lots of cold dinners, and cold shoulders from Cindy. How much longer do I have to do this? Kids miss me. Cindy misses me. Our marriage is missing me.
0: With a financial strategy from Kurt Kenotic
7: There he was on the radio again. Kurt Knotic sooner than they planned. Yeah, retire sooner. So I called Kurt. We just talked about life, family. It felt right. Then come to find out. Kurt's personalized retirement planning showed me retirement wasn't as far off as I thought. Now the only thing I'm missing is the traffic.
4: Let's talk. Accurate Solutions Group, 412-515-3355. That's 412-515-3355.
8: Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC, and Accurate
7: Investment Solutions, Inc.,
2: I don't know about you, but whenever you talk to maybe your non-Christian friends or family, certainly from uh, some hardcore atheists, whenever you talk about the Bible and um, the teachings of the Bible, they'll bring up you know, oh, shellfish, yada yada, and you know, Leviticus, blah blah blah. But then always the, the the stinger argument that really gets really gets the the dander going between Christians and non-Christians. People say, "Well, the Bible's pro-slavery." Clearly, it is. I mean, I'll show you where it is pro-slavery. And you know what? Um, the fact of the matter is, it does have some weight to it, doesn't it? So uh, let's go to a, a major source of of, of wisdom and uh, and well reasoned thought about this. That would be Pastor Gavin Ortland. Gavin is the author. He's an author and a blogger. He currently works as a fellow at the Carl Henry Center. Theological Understanding at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois. he wrote a piece on his blog called "So Will Soliloquim easy for me to say uh, that's called uh, the title is "Is the Bible Pro-Slavery?" And Gavin, welcome back to the show. How have you been?
13: Hey, you're doing well. Good to be with you,
2: John. Thank you. So, so Gavin, it's a really well-reasoned uh, article that you've written about, the, is the Bible pro-slavery? And as you say, um, the new atheists will bring this up and uh, people who want to attack Christianity. So talk to us about this. From your perspective, lay this argument out. Uh, pro or con, is the Bible pro-slavery?
13: Yeah, sure. And I do think it's an important issue to address, Um, just as you said in your introduction here, because it's a common claim. You know, people say, well, um, the Bible is pro-slavery, therefore, fill in the blank. Sometimes it's, uh, as you mentioned, from from non-Christians or secular people, and, and the therefore fill in the blank is reject the Bible altogether. Another thing that happens is from within the Church, this appeal is made so as to kind of relativize the Bible and say, well, everything's sort of, you know, context specific and we really can't apply it too rigorously today. And, um, so it's, it gets really complicated, uh, thinking about how to respond and it, it's a very common claim. So I, uh, wrote the piece out of my own, you know, curiosity, wanting to learn for myself and then also wanting to help people hear this claim, you know, what do we say to that? Do we just need to uh, kind of seed the point, or, or how can we respond? So I, I just draw attention to a couple things, and um, they, they really helped me think about this. And one is just, well, what do we mean by that word slavery? Um, because when we think of slavery, a lot of times we think of, you know, what we've experienced in our own country, sure. uh, in in the recent past, we think of a race-based institution, where the slave is the is the property of the master, and they, the slave has no legal rights. And um, th- this is obviously one of the most horrific uh, institutions that that has existed in in human history, and but it really isn't what the Bible is is talking about when the Bible talks about slavery, and, you know, I want to be clear in my own thinking about this, that um, all forms of slavery, any form of slavery, I think is a perversion of God's intention, the way he created human beings. At the same time, it does help to make distinctions, and just to be clear, kind of what we're talking about when we have these verses that are brought up, um, in the New Testament, and then also in the Book of Exodus, that, that make provision for slavery, a kind of slavery in certain contexts. And it's been fascinating for me to learn uh, how different slavery was in the ancient world and then in the Greco-Roman world, because far and away, it generally wasn't race-based, and it, and it generally wasn't what we call chattel slavery where the slave is the property of the master. Instead, oftentimes, slaves were people who voluntarily um, sold themselves into that role and because they could not make a living. Sometimes it would be a, a circumstantially driven thing, like a foreigner or a, a very poor person. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes slaves were prisoners of war. Um, so there's all different kinds of circumstances but it is helpful to realize this was not something where, you know, you're born into it, you're a slave until you die, uh, and you have no legal rights. So then,
2: I'm the, sorry, Gavin, so that's a huge distinction then. So I, I love, so the, the point is, so the main thing here is, you, is how we would look at slavery in America, where African Americans were held essentially as non-people for 200 plus years, that did not exist in the Bible. There, was, there are different variables here that you're going to sort of lay out for us.
13: Yes, exactly right. And I just think, again, that not to justify any form of slavery, but just to be precise in what we're talking about when we get to, say, Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul says in the ESB, it's translated, bond servants be subject to your masters. That word, bond servants, uh, or bond servant, is the Greek word doulos, and it really doesn't refer to someone you know, actually a lot of if you were walking around in Ephesus in the first century, you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a, someone who was a slave or bond servant and someone who was free, because both classes had a lot of legal rights. I see. Um, and so that just helps init- at least it helps me, you know, initially kind of en- enter into the discussion. Right. To at define least then we those know terms. a little bit. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Then we know a little bit what we're talking about. Okay.
2: All right, so then you consider the, the, the entire Bible, you talk about this, that, you know, you, you, you look at the, the entire scope of how slavery is used, so it's not American slavery where we think of African Americans and, you know, people, uh, uh, in some ways, you're looking at people who were down and out and needed a place to call home, so that was one way that they would sell, essentially, make themselves or sell themselves into slavery.
13: Right, it it would be kind of like what we think of sometimes as indentured servanthood. Now, that's not always the case, and I don't want to whitewash this, because there are some tough passages in the books of Exodus and Leviticus that we have to deal with, Um, and it's not always, I mean, sometimes you have, as I said, even in the New Testament, someone is a slave because they're a prisoner of war or something like that, but the other thing that has really helped me is, as you mentioned, considering the whole Bible, looking at the, um, the the trajectory of where the whole Bible's going, and it helps me to start with creation, because when I look at Genesis chapter one, I act I see that that human beings are made in God's image, and that that is said to describe all human beings. Now, one of the things that's fascinating is that. Other ancient Near Eastern creation accounts also spoke of human beings made in God's image, but it, they generally only applied that to the royal figures. So, like one of the pharaohs in an Egyptian text will be said to be in the image of a certain god, or um, another, you know, an Assyrian king will be in, in the image. And the Bible applies that to all human beings. Everybody is royal everybody is is a a reflection of God's image. And so right there at the beginning, that helps me. And it helps me say, okay, when I'm getting to the book of Exodus, or when I'm getting to the letter to the Ephesians, I am dealing with a certain context, um, a certain historical context. And the Bible does accommodate uh, fallen institutions in certain contexts. So another example would be polygamy, and another would be divorce, where you have institutions that are not God's ideal. They're not what we would see in, in an unfallen world. They're not a creation, it's just as one. But God allows for them in certain contexts. And I do think that's a valid appeal, because, yes, yes. It, you know, it's, it's like you can't expect God to refrain from giving any instruction to people until the society has been completely perfected. Um, he's going to give laws and instructions to people in the context in which they live. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to think in terms of metaphors to break it down. So it's kind of like, you know, if I say to my friend, Hey, go vote in the next election. That doesn't necessarily mean that I think democracy is the best form of government. Um, it, in fact, I do. But, but just from that statement, it's hard to know, because I'm just speaking in a particular context. In general happens. Yeah, you know, someone happens to live in a in democracy. So for someone who lives there, I would say, yeah, you should participate in that. Or if I say to a soldier in the Army, uh, obey your commanding officer, that doesn't tell you whether or not I'm a pacifist and, and, or whether or how I feel about a particular war because I'm just, they're already in the army. You know, I'm speaking to them in their situation. And that's another thing that helps me think about slavery, because I think it's reasonable to say God speaks to people in certain situations, but in Genesis 1, you see what his ideal is before sin enters the world. And that really helps me think
2: about this. Outstanding. Gavin Ortland is with us. He's written a wonderful piece on his blog, and it says, Is the Bible Pro-Slavery? So all that, Gavin, and of course, it's like you said early on, it's a very complex, deep issue that has a lot of shades of gray and a lot of deep tendrils. But in conclusion... Always, you come back to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. It negates everything before that. Christ and the cross, dying for our sins, and His grace and forgiveness for us all.
13: Yes, that's right. And 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 let me just underscore that point, and and then just cut me off whenever you need to hear, because <laughs> I could, you know, I'll I'll go on about this point as long as I can. That's but good. Just, I always love to go back to Jesus because. Whenever I'm considering, and I know what it's like to struggle with doubts, I know what it's like to have questions, I want to say to anybody listening to this, it's okay to to not understand everything that the Bible teaches, it's okay to have questions, every thoughtful person does at times, but I am so helped when I go back to Jesus, and I consider any other issue, like this issue, in relation to Him, Because when I consider Jesus, I consider his teaching, I consider the way he confronted the Pharisees, I consider the way he defended women, I consider the way he taught, his passion for justice, his compassion, and ultimately what he does on the cross as he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I know that I have reason to trust God, even if I don't have all my questions answered, and... I see the power of the gospel, what Jesus has accomplished in his death, and it breaks down walls. You know, the book of Philemon is a good example of this, and it's one reason why I think, ultimately, the Bible is not pro-slavery, and that's because Paul writes Philemon to a slave owner, and this letter is occasioned by his slave running away, Onesimus. Onesimus has become a Christian, and Paul sends him back, and Paul doesn't say, Philemon, here's your slave back. He says, Philemon, here's Onesimus. Don't receive him as a slave. Receive him as a dear brother and give him all the honor. Treat him as you would treat me.
2: Outstanding, as a dear brother. Gavin, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, I love your blog and your writings, Soliloquim. Gavin Ortland wrote a terrific piece, Is the Bible Pro-Slavery? Gavin Ortland.
6: The Express Employment Professionals Team sends a big congratulations to all parents of 2018 graduates. Whether your graduate has a clear vision for the future or is feeling a little uncertain about what's next, the Express Pros are here to help. Their Express Jobs app helps to make applying for jobs easier for those who want to get right to work. And for those who want to continue learning and building skills, their Express Learn program offers 18 CTC courses at no charge. Learn more at ExpressPros.com or call 412 494 2000.
7: There's a girl in El Salvador who dreams of becoming an engineer. There's an elder in Uganda who dreams of having a community to call his own. No two dreams are the same. Help one person achieve theirs. At Unbound.org.
5: If you're not in the club, you're missing out. Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone, like today. Score two full registration tickets to Creation Northeast June 27th through 30th at Agape Farm Mountain Union, PA, for half off. That's four full days of camping and concerts, including Toby Mac, Jordan Feliz, Jeremy Camp, Mendiza, and more, for just $101.50. Log on now to wordfm.com, keyword shopping.
2: A really sad news out of Guatemala today. I'll tell you, um, I've been so blessed to be in Guatemala. I've been there at least four times, and the people are just fabulous. The, the country is the most verdant, gorgeous green of any country that I've ever visited in my life and i 've been places where you climb a hill and you 're sitting up on a mound and you look down what they call volcano alley, and there at one time are you know active volcanoes, just you feel you could almost reach out and touch them there 's so many and they 're so active well. Today, the sad news was that a volcano erupted right outside of Guatemala City, and um, a lot of, of course, the volcanoes are in the uh, the far reaches of Guatemala, but right out of Guatemala City, a volcano erupted, and uh, last I heard, some over 65 people have been killed because of a, a volcano explosion. And um, you, you see the news reports and the video and the fear and the, the ash falling down and suffocating people. It's just unbelievable to think, you know, in 2018, we've all been focused, you know, when you say volcano, everyone's thinking, well, those poor people in Hawaii and here in Guatemala, I mean, brutal devastation, you know, it's, who gets killed by a volcano, you know, in this day and age, but um it's certainly been a long time where there's been this amount of deaths, Something more than a hundred years that this number of people have been killed by a volcano and here it is the 21st century where in many ways, especially in America, we think we're invincible from mother nature, right? Anyway, the prayers for those people, because there are many good and wonderful, deep and loving Christians that I know and that are in Guatemala. There's many wonderful ministries in Guatemala. Hey, I just want to remind you once again, um, as we close up here with uh, Sans Cath, uh, I think she'll be back with us tomorrow, that we're doing two faith nights this year, essentially. Uh, the sixth annual faith night at PNC Park, which we're going to be at uh, July 27th, and also, um... You know the Washington Wild Things. Have you been out there? It's it's a really great fun time. You know it's minor league baseball. Their faith night is Sunday, July eighth. Red Lettle Hindle, you know, which is a wonderful, terrific band here locally. Wonderful Christian band. They're going to be performing around 3.30, then the ball game. So Word FM will be both at the Washington Wild Things Faith Night and, of course, the Buckos Faith Night. For all those details and for all what's going on in Christendom and western Pennsylvania, check us out online at wordfm.com. Hey, thanks for being with us. God willing, we'll see you same time tomorrow. Have a great night. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications.